Podcast One. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. Well, let's call this a work from home stock take. Everyone's doing it, but depending on whether you're an extrovert or an introvert, there are wild swings between pleasure and pain in this phase of our lockdown. This week, we've got a contrast of worlds. We've got two younger leaders from WP's Vodafone Team Red and Bohemia. They're going to talk through their personal upside and downs, uh, managing themselves, clients and teams from home, and we'll get the perspective from two industry executives who we could call just a fraction older, but only a fraction. Uh, So interestingly, uh, the Media Federation of Australia conducted an industry census late last year, and and one of the stats that came through in the study showed that about 98% of the industry said they had the opportunity to work from home. So just how is that idea going now? We have to do it. So with us today is Emily Cook, Media Lead for Team Red at WPP, Mark Echo, National Planning Director for Bohemia, Sophie Madden, the CEO of the MFA, and Peter Vogel, CEO of Wavemaker. Emily, let's start with you. Um, You've now had the grand privilege of several weeks working from home. How are you coping? What's been the couple of the biggest shifts for you in in managing all this craziness uh, from home. Hello, I think it's been really interesting. We're in week five now for our team. What I've loved about it is this window into colleagues, media partners and clients' lives and it really helps humanise a lot of the conversations that we're having. You're getting that sort of interesting interruption from a client's child interrupting about Matt's homework or something like that or you're having a conversation and they've got a solar system in the background from a paper mache, which has brought in some really interesting discussion. But also what it does is it's really helped, I think, navigate some difficult conversations that it's not so much uh, sometimes those client agency conversations, but actually it's a human to human, we're all navigating this together. So there's a really interesting camaraderie and humanization aspect that comes from working from home and getting a sort of opportunity to see into these colleagues and partners and clients' lives. And you're learning a bit of maths by the sound of it, Absolutely. (laughs) How has been the client side when you talk about it humanising? What is different about that conversation you're having now than the context and nature of it versus what it might have been pre-COVID? What's different? I think that we're all navigating this together at the end of the day. I think that we know the nature of what we're doing is there are so many uncertainties, uh, but what we can control, we can control. So everyone is in it to work together. And I think, again, to this point, you've got this really interesting camaraderie that we're all here to help each other. And when you talk about with the other MFA community as well, you are starting to see that clients are asking for our help, but they understand the pressures that we are under leading our own teams because they're navigating the exact same on their side as well. So you're also part of the MFA's 5 Plus uh, committee. In fact, I think you're the chair, Emily. You talked about uh, some interesting conversations that you've been having with your colleagues across the industry, and one of them was around culture, and and, and you personally have had uh, some interesting challenges managing a team of about 10 people, I think, but also 
uh, talking to your to your colleagues across the industry, they are having some similar challenges. Just talk through that culture bit and how you're trying to manage a team from home when there's no there's no physical presence. I think for me, this has been probably the biggest learning curve. I really thrive on visual cues and that aspect of really having empathy, looking around that team. You can see who is under pressure. You can see who's having a good day or someone who just needs to put their headphones on and power through whatever they need to do. So without those visual cues, it's really difficult to really understand what the rest of the team are going through. Um, And overhearing conversations and the richness of those uh, conversations or those, oh, let's just bounce some ideas off, are really lost. So talking to colleagues, and I had a really interesting uh, conversation with a colleague last week, is that how do you really facilitate that cultural uh, nuance that we as agencies really thrive on? And it's been interesting. I've had a few uh, new starters within my team in the last few weeks and really sort of starting to drive that cultural conversation, be able to be there for the team and welcome people um, as we would look to do normally has been quite difficult. So talking to the community... So there's no pubs, no pubs or lunches? No, absolutely not. I mean, there's Zoom conversations, um, Blue Jeans conversations, Microsoft Teams uh, trivia, which is always great. But... It's been really interesting and talking to the MFA community about how do we do this? This is quite a reality now. I think the newness of it has worn off. So it's about how do we establish a culture of teams doing it in a virtual world uh, and making sure that we're checking in, we're having those one-on-one conversations, that you are really across the workload, the prioritisation of tasks and even talking to the community regarding brainstorming and those ideas, it's finding new ways to brainstorm in a world where you don't necessarily have the tools, the butcher's paper writing it up. And there's new ways to do that, which talking to the community, they're looking to do. We'll come back to that culture point uh, with the rest of the group in a second. But Mark Echo, you have been on a roller coaster yourself, enjoying the focus and clarity, I think, you, from working from home or whether it's forcing you to do. But equally, you like people. How, how are you tracking out there in, in the in the big lost world? Hi, Paul. Thanks very much for having me on. Um, yeah, you're right. I think this, this time of uncertainty has definitely brought a, a pure focus and, and clarity on all of our communications. Um, it's about 60 to 65% of all communications is non-verbal. So whenever you are speaking now in, in a virtual um, you know, sense or in a virtual room, um, you need to be really clear on what you're asking for and what you're actually trying to say because you don't want it to be miscommunicated. Um, I think for me personally, I'm an extrovert um, and anyone that knows me would, would agree with that um, naturally anyway. Um, I've, I've struggled at times. I think... Um, um, we were talking about my emotional variances and when I'm in the office, I, I do radiate off other people and I do absolutely take, take energy and, and manage their energy as well in, in the way that I conduct myself. And I do see that my variations in, in my emotional state uh, whilst working from home is, is, a, is a, there's a bigger ebb and flow. So I, I've called it about from two to eight is where I'm fluctuating between now, where when, when in the office I'm, I'm fluctuating between four and six because I'm radiating off everyone else in the room. So if I'm ever feeling down in the office... I've got a team of people to help bring me up and, I'm, uh, and if I'm ever feeling up, I can bring up other people where 
where I'm just limited by that uh, at the moment working from home. We might nickname you Captain Emo for a little while then. How about that? Yeah. Um, but so how are you, how are you uh, managing that, um, Mark? And, and, and how, to Emily's point, uh, the cultural bit, the interaction with the team, uh, with the, the biggest difficulties there, and do you see perhaps any light at the end of the tunnel and, and, and working your way through a better way as we still are operating virtually? Yeah, a couple of things on that. Well, I think um, for me personally, I've absolutely had to focus on, on what I'm doing for my energy management. So ensuring that I'm exercising right, ensuring that I'm eating right and sleeping right means that I can be there for other people and, and for the team in the wider, wider bohemia. Um, if, I've, if I've got any of those uh, in imbalance, I'm, I'm already sort of putting myself uh, a back foot and, and not giving myself the, the best chance to helping them through, um, through these uncertain times as well. I think um, from my point of view, I think uh, I see people in two camps and uh, it, was, it was discussed to me and these words were given to me about people freaking out and people figuring it out. And the people that are freaking out at the moment are the people that are, uh, are really looking at this whole situation in a narrow view. Um, they, you know, they're potentially the panic buyers. They, they're listening to too much news and, and sort of over-consuming the news and, and getting really swept up in it. And what they're doing, it seems like, um, is that they're adding layers of problems on top of other problems to create specific scenarios that they then want to try to solve. But that's all just making it too much for them to, to, to bear with. So we need to make sure that we're, we're helping people that are actually going through this uh, in, their, in their minds to, to, to see the light at the end of the tunnel. I, I do honestly believe that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. I think that it is absolutely um, going to reshape the way that we work uh, in totality, but there absolutely there will be post-COVID and it will be a much more efficient and, and better way of working. Yes, and we'll get to that too uh, in a few minutes. But I think you also mentioned, Mark, in, in, our, in our conversation earlier that um, you've seen quite a number of your people step up and requiring less hands-on management. Talk us through what you actually mean by that. Yeah, I think um, basically the hands-on management that uh, was happening in the office, back to Emily's point, there, there is conversations that happen in the hallways that, um, that are management conversations that technically can be worked through, um, you know, if, a, if an individual um, sits down and works through the, 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 the answer that they're looking for. But I think where I was getting with that was um, the work seems to be an added, an added boost of motivation and the motivation levels to people at the moment. So where there was instances of potentially micromanagement um, and micro-leadership, um, people are, and I'm seeing within the wider team, that they are coming and stepping up a lot better now to solve their own issues before they're coming through and asking questions to their managers, to their directors and, and, and to myself. So what, what I'm seeing is that there is a, a chain, of, um, chain of command or chain of hierarchy that people are using to get to the clarity that they need more often than not now. Great point. Um, Sophie Madden, I'll go to you on how you're coping. By the looks of it uh, that we're seeing here on the screen, it's a very ordered home office. Uh, the, all the walls have Venn diagrams, maybe not, but charts of all sorts and notes. You have worked from home for, for a number of years, at least on a Friday, but how are you coping now that you're having to do it all week? It's, it's really different and it's taken me a little bit of time to get used to it, I have to be honest. Um, and... Um, but I think I've got over the hurdle of, of adjustment and I'm on a, on a better path. But I, I think a bit like what Mark just pointed out, I've had good days and I've had bad days. 
Uh, but um, and it's been a bit of an adjustment, I have to be honest. You probably are one of those people in Emily's camp who about the humanisation. You have an 18-year-old uh, who's doing HSC that might come in now and again uh, for maths questions as well. <laughs> How's that looking? Well, I'll say he doesn't come in for math questions, thank goodness. <laughs> I'm not sure I could manage Year 12 maths. I've actually, we've got five people working from home in my household. So um, bandwidth has actually been a bit of an issue for us in terms of how we manage all of us live streaming all at the same time uh, but um, just a different way of operating and to be honest I, I lean more towards introverted rather than extroverted but I like a balance so trying to work through how I get that balance in this environment has taken me a little bit of time to, to work out but I do think that I'm a bit more used to it now and, and I'm able to get my energy from Zoom calls and other things like that. You, you talked, Sophie, about the blur, the less structured nature of working from home. Talk us through the typical day there and you find yourself being pulled back in after the, the kids are fed or whatever needs to happen, you're back at it again. But have you worked that out yet? Have you got a, a solution? Well, and that might be why you've seen so many diagrams and, and charts behind me because I've, I've found that I've had to be super, super disciplined in how I'm working. And actually it's, you know, when I check in with people, I'm not the only one that's finding this blurring between home and work a bit of a challenge, uh, you know, where, you know, you get up in the morning, you go to your wherever you're working in your house and then your day just blurs. I was fascinated that Emily could sort of pinpoint how many weeks she's been working from home. I actually have no idea how long this has been. It could have been months, it could have been days. Everything just seems to blur um, every day into each other. There's a sameness to it. So I found that I have to, in order to compensate for that and probably give myself a bit of feeling of being in control that I've had to try and become super structured. I've had to, you know, try and make sure I put some work clothes on and, and just, just put some structure around it because I certainly found at the beginning that my day just never seemed to end. I, was, I wasn't eating, I wasn't exercising, I, I was just, because we were so super busy as well, that it just all blurred into each other. So I've had to really diarise and schedule, okay, this is lunchtime, you've got to have a break now or this is when you're going to go out and have a walk because otherwise... I was just sitting, sit pretty much sitting in this spot all day. Peter Vogel, you've been going into the office and uh, it's it's should have shifted some of your perceptions on what's possible, but you're not a fan. A bit like Mark, you might be slightly extroverted. That's right, Paul. I, I think I am an extrovert and, you know, part of the reason I, I love the industry that we work in is it is. Our industry is about collaboration, provocation, innovation, uh, that's that's what we do as agencies, and I, I think a lot of that comes from uh, certainly face-to-face -face interaction, those non-visual cues, um, and and absolutely, I, I think uh, whilst whilst many of the people on the call wouldn't know Tom Peters, but he he coined the phrase management by walkabout. And certainly that, that is the way that I, I manage, you know. We, we've got 250 people in, in Wavemaker, but about 160 of them are in Sydney. And of a morning, I, I can walk through the office, I can get a sense of the energy, I can go up to someone, wish them happy birthday, uh, I can get a group of people together to quickly brainstorm a solution for for uh, something. And I think that's what you really miss out on. And yes, I mean, there are a lot of uh, uh, technology tools to help, 
Um, and, and but I just don't think they're quite as efficient as as face to face. Um, I think you know cert certainly uh, this COVID nineteen has certainly helped us prepare ourselves to become a lot better at at working from home. But I think our, our industry is very much part of that engagement. And I think, you know, culture, if you look at culture, which is so important for agencies, culture comes from shared experiences. And sharing an experience online is sort of not as multifaceted as an experience face-to-face -face or attending something together. Emily, can I ask you on that? Do you find the same thing? And are there, do you think we'll find some workarounds eventually? Or there is just going to be an assumption or a conclusion by all of us that it's better, in-person is better for some things? I absolutely agree that in-person is better for some things. But I'm really interested by the point that I've been lucky enough in my career to work in Sydney, Melbourne and uh, Brisbane as well. So I've actually worked in all three different media markets. And where in the past I've had to really re-establish my network and my allies um, in each market because there wasn't as much crossover. What I've been really interested to see is actually that because we're less borderless in a way, even though that we are locked in from a border point of view. It's been really interesting and talking to the community and friends in Melbourne and Brisbane that they feel a much more integrated sense of us working together. They're getting the access to strategic resources that in Brisbane they'd never have the opportunity as often to be able to tap into some brilliant minds. So what's been interesting is that you're becoming less state-centric or city-centric and you're getting this really nice conversation and free-flowing of ideas to Pete's point regarding innovation and opportunities for clients, which I think is actually a really positive um, and an interesting positive to come out of COVID. Because I think we're all quite used to checking in on friends um, overseas. I know that I personally am checking in on friends in New York, Auckland, across the world, and it's becoming less of a barrier, time zones or anything like that. I think this cross-pollination of knowledge is really interesting. Uh, and has been a positive to come out of the COVID-19. Yeah, Paul, I certainly agree with Emily. You know, we work for a big multinational organisation with uh, offices across 90 countries. And I think one of the big benefits, uh, as Emily has, has shared the experience at a national level, certainly at a regional and global level, I think it's it's, it's really enhanced the way that we work and, and share ideas. And yeah, I mean, there are lots of benefits to, to being part of a global organisation. And I think certainly video conferencing, global town halls have been extremely successful in making you feel part of something a lot bigger, but also the communication, you know, it's moved from email to, to uh, uh, at least a, a visual communication, you know, for big uh, global meetings. So I, I certainly think, from from a network perspective, uh, there's been there's been a lot of benefits. And look, you know, we we're learning how to use video conferencing and technology a lot more effectively. And I think certainly, you know, that is one of the big benefits uh, that, that has come out of it. Well, one of your frustrations though, Peter, has been around productivity. I think you, you talk about perhaps a, a 20 to 30% increase 
in calls and diary load just to manage clients and people as everyone is on uh, some sort of video conferencing platform and trying to get to people. The hours are longer, uh, a bit to Sophie's point about the blurring. Give us your perspective on that. I think that is true. This is a learning experience. A, the, the big benefit is, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. So for the first time, I think our IT systems are really working. And, and as media agencies, we have to log into a lot of tools. We've actually, for the first time, really ensured that we can effectively work from home. So that, that's, that's a big tick. But yeah, I mean, we, we, we're still learning how to do this. And as everyone has said, you know, they feel their days are longer, they, they're on a lot of calls because it's a lot quicker to just get up from your desk, walk over to a colleague and ask them a quick question. Whereas now you've got to phone them, they're most probably on another call. So you leave a message for them to phone you back, they phone you back, you on a call. So there, there's, there's a lot of inefficiencies. Yet we'll learn how to get more efficient, uh, be a lot more prepared for meetings, schedule a lot of things. Routine is, is very important. I mean, one of the things we did for our agency was actually block out one o'clock to two o'clock and said there's no video conferencing calls because we felt people's days were just blurring and they weren't getting that opportunity to sit back, to reflect, to have some lunch, to, to get some fresh air. So hopefully uh, we'll get better at, at it, but certainly you've got to believe that has impacted productivity. Also the various interruptions. I mean, work is a good place where, you know, you are focused on work and you don't have those outside interruptions. But I, but I think, I think, yeah. I mean, the, the the positive is we're learning, we're getting better. So hopefully, going forward, it makes us a lot more productive working from home. Mark, uh, productivity and blurring. How are you finding it? Both Sophie and Peter have talked about the blurring aspect of it and longer hours. Uh, how are you travelling on that and the productivity discussion? I was very similar to Sophie. I think at the beginning, it was absolutely blurring. I was wearing basically the same types of outfit every single day. So I, I didn't know if it was a Monday, Sunday or, or a Saturday or, you know, I couldn't determine between. But I've personally done a lot of things to make sure that I can, I can de-blur when is work time, when is time for me to reflect, when is time for, for me to switch off. So things like scheduling that one hour, but having a morning tea, afternoon tea, lunch scheduled in, getting dressed, you know, to, to, to make sure that you feel like this is Monday to Friday and this is the weekend is an absolute another thing that I, that I do. And then, and having non-negotiables in the morning, it, you know, it is time for my, my personal exercises and things like that. And that, that is something I absolutely need to do. And, and that for me, I've got those scheduled in um, on specific days. So I know exactly what day it is. So setting really good and strong boundaries that I, I abide by helps me de-blur those, uh, de-blur those lines. Are you working longer, Mark, than you were, or is it just different? I think I'm more connected longer, yes. Um, I think I am um, checking emails and things like that post, you know, the, the, the typical five o'clock or six o'clock. Um, but I, I'm, I'm happy to do that. I think for me, working in an office, there was a mental thing when leaving the office that, you know, that you, you could switch off technically. But uh, working downstairs in my dining room, uh, and on my dining room table, I mean, it's quite easy just to move to the, to the sofa and, and carry the laptop at six, seven o'clock. So I'm definitely connected longer, but um, I do schedule the things that I need to do within the sort of the, the normal working hours, I'll call them normal nine to five. 
I do note that Sophie's the only one here with charts on her wall. So, Sophie, do you feel like you're more productive now? You've got it nailed? I wouldn't say nailed. Um, do you know, I think I think there's some things that I'm more productive of and some things take a bit longer. I think uh, one of the things that will come out of this is that there was a bit of a stigma, I think, around virtual meetings and virtual conferences in the past. This has been an opportunity for that to be broken down completely. So certainly from an MFA perspective where we found that we had, you know, where we did things in Sydney and then Melbourne and then Brisbane, I think those barriers have been broken down and that's a good thing so that we can now give access to anyone anywhere um, to our programs because I think no longer is it seen as being, oh, well, I'm only getting this as a live stream because you can't be bothered to come to my state. So I think that's been a good thing. Um, doesn't mean that doing things face-to-face should just go away completely, but a balance of that, I think coming out of this is probably something that we'll, that certainly I'll take and from an MFA point of view that we'll put bring on board. And the other part of it is from a client perspective, working from home and having people work flexibly has sometimes been a hurdle. Um, there's some clients have had issues with it. Other clients have, have not at all and have been really open to it. We're now all having to do it. And so there's this new um, empathy, I guess, to ra- around how that can work and, and, where, and, and that it doesn't mean that everything is going to fall apart. So I think that that's something that we can, as an industry, take from this as well. So whilst I think that... There might be productivity issues, we might all be slightly working longer and we've had to work through blurring issues and all that sort of stuff. I guess that's normal in any sort of transition of a new way of operating. But I certainly hope and I would like to think that, and I think actually, to be honest, I think it's the only thing that's keeping me sane, is to go, we'll come out of this with some positives as well as some, you know, getting back to work and won't it be great to go back in the office. Maybe this will change that stat around not just people being capable of working from home, but people actually feeling that they can and and are empowered to work from home um, in the industry as a result. Some good points there, Sophie, and and we'll we'll wrap up shortly. But before we get to our final themes around the future of work, what we think that might look like now, and mental health, we need to cover that one. Sophie, uh, quickly talk to the crazy phase you've been through in reworking your programs at the MFA. Talk us through the steps and and I imagine the freakouts that Mark talks about at one stage of how the hell are we going to do this? Absolutely. And actually, Mark and Emily have been on the journey with us because uh, we sort of had to quickly, I think when all, when we all suddenly had to work from home, we had an MFA 5 plus event planned in three days time or something when it was and so we had to quickly shift that from I think initially we went to okay now it's going to be a smaller event because there can only be more than less than 100 people there to know it has to be even smaller less than 50 people to know it can't be any event at all you know and and I think that happened in the matter of about four days where we just kept having to replan and replan um, like like everyone had to within their own organization so um, and, and we've had to do that with all our programs to turn around and say well how how do we provide value and support for our industry in a virtual world where people can't be together? And so much of what the MFA does is about community and being together and sharing our experiences with each other. So very quickly, what does that look like? What do some of your programs look like now, Sophie? 
So essentially our programs are all virtual. So NGEN's completely gone virtual. We did Five Plus as an online Zoom stream a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think that went really well. Emily was part of it. I thought she did a terrific job. And certainly the feedback was really positive. And it actually meant that a lot more people could experience that program than maybe they could have if they if it had been a face-to-face event. We're also trying to build in lots of community connection. One of the bits of feedback we're getting is that everyone is missing that broader community connection a bit like peter just mentioned around our industry thrives on us all being together really struggling with us not being able to be so how do we provide those community connections in a virtual way so we have things like industry personal training sessions at midday every day thanks to facebook coffee catch-ups coming up in uh, next week i think so we're trying to do lots of how do we keep this community connected whether that's in broad scale ways or in micro communities well it's interesting emily it probably goes to the the national perspective you talked about with with uh, five plus is that you've got people from all over the country tuning in to a to a stream uh, and that's probably goes to that point mark um the question around uh we hear a lot about a lot of pressure on agencies from clients and um i'm wondering how reasonable have clients been through this versus what they were before are their expectations changing uh, do you still feel sweat coming out with demanding briefs so just to echo Emily's point, actually, I, I think the, the, the absolute humanisation at the beginning, we are seeing there is a little bit more flex in some of the clients' um, requests, but it is a tale of, uh, of two speeds, I guess, or, or, or a race of two speeds, because what we're seeing is that there are absolute clients that are responding to what's happening, and they are all in sprint mode at the moment because everything is changing so quickly, and they do need things delivered um, quite quickly. But we are seeing people and clients take a step back and, and sort of understand the situation on a personal level. Um, we, we also saw things like uh, themed meetings with clients. So they, they were really trying to get behind and, and make sure that we, we, we're looking at this in a positive light. But we've definitely moved on from that. And we've started really focusing on what needs to be delivered and what needs to be um, focused on the people. So we are seeing a lot of requests and and the leniency of of clients requests uh, absolutely is in some cases but we are also seeing there are some some necessary sprints that need to happen. Peter Vogel, clients, uh, any change in how they operate towards agency groups do you think? Look I I, I think uh, like everyone has said uh, it certainly brought a more personal side to to clients and uh, I suppose uh, a better understanding of them as people uh, but again, I mean, we, we encourage our people to spend a lot of time at our clients' offices, to, to also walk the floors, to, to chat, to catch up, uh, etc. So, so we certainly miss that. I think the, the thing that I've been quite excited about in terms of how agencies have responded is uh, the proactiveness. Uh, I think a lot of our people are thinking of, of proactive ideas, what, what the clients could be doing to, to pivot their, their focus at the moment or what they should be doing, you know, when things return to normal. So I, I think uh, also clients have responded really well to that. I, I think there has been an appreciation that we've, we've had to, you know, either change or, or, or in, in some instances cancel uh, media but then also to, to respond not just by, by doing the day-to-day but being proactive in terms of other things that we've shared, sharing. So I, I always think, I mean, certainly adversity or, or 
a situation like this uh, provides an opportunity to actually build more meaningful relationships with clients. And I think I've certainly seen that. Uh, so, so I think it's been good. I, I've said to a lot of our people, use this as an opportunity to actually deepen the relationships that you have with clients. Sophie, you talk, uh, we're in the final stretch, uh, mental health and then the future of work, what we think it could look like. Um, Sophie, you've talked about um, new emotional pressures on people uh, in, in a work from home environment and mental health being something that we really need to be uh, watching out for. What's your sense from your members, uh, MFA members, on, on how deep and wide that emotional pressure and that mental health uh, issue is at the moment now? I think in the first week that we all started working from home, that was probably the main conversation that I was having with most of our board, certainly, and the other agency leaders, was concern around their people and how they were coping with the transition. Uh, and I don't think that concern has gone away. You know, as we've heard today with just the people on, on this podcast, some people have coped really well, others have taken longer. And I think even if you coped really well, you, you have good days and, and bad days. So, um, and there's some people that, you know, feel quite isolated. I know there's people in our team who live on their own and they're more isolated than say my household, which has got five people in it. So um, making sure that we're all looking out for each other and have an eye on our people is, is a really critical issue that everyone's very mindful of. I know from an MFA point of view, we're trying to do lots of um, support programs around mental resilience and how can we help give people the skills for this. Um, but ultimately, I think it comes down to the fact that we're all trying to keep an eye on each other and, and make sure that, that we're checking in. Um, I, I think one interesting thing that I, um, it's a bit of feedback that I got early on in the piece was that just how we do that in this environment is maybe a little bit different. Uh, in the past, you know, we might've seen someone in the corridor that we think may be struggling a bit and you'd pull them aside and do a check-in with them individually. But at the moment in this environment, we're dealing with um, a lot of stress, but also a lot of fear and anxiety about their roles and their jobs. And so sometimes that sort of seeing people on a Zoom call and identifying that someone might be look like they're struggling and then go and check in with them individually has actually created additional anxiety and stress because those people have felt that maybe they're being singled out. And so I think as a manager, it's really challenging to work through how you check in and make sure your people are okay um, in this different state of mind. Um, and that's a learning curve, I think, for all of us. Emily, how deep and wide do you think the mental health, uh, mental health looms, um, not just necessarily about your team, but um, across the industry that you see uh, because of your role at the MFA? You know, if you were to take a wild guess, is there 15, 20, 30% of people in, at any one time uh, grappling with this or is it more? What's your sense on and, and how deep this mental health issue uh, is and could, could be? I think across the MFA 5 Plus community, in talking with everyone, I think that the statistic would probably be higher. I think everyone does feel it is uncertain times. I don't know. That's something we consistently hear. And once you start hearing it, you sort of listen to it a little bit more as well. To Sophie's point, everyone in the community is working on how to manage in these different circumstances. And it's such a valid point Sophie made about how you would usually be able to identify certain people who potentially may be struggling or you just want to check in on them, but you don't want to come across as being um, too specific on them as well. I think when we had a committee meeting last week, actually, and 
everyone also is struggling with different elements. So there's not one specific area uh, that people are finding difficult. What was resonating a lot though in our conversation was that uh, managers particularly are finding it very difficult to feel that they have the power and all the answers for their more junior team members. Their junior team members have never seen this before and are only in their first five years within the industry. And so it's a lot of change. It's a lot to process. They're living in share houses. They're doing all this. They may live at home to Sophie's point. And having the tools to be able to make sure that they feel okay is quite difficult when we know that everyone is in the same space, that we don't know what the eventual outcome will be. So we discussed about ways that how we can help work together. And we've discussed having different groups of people that we can um, help to provide this information or just a way to Sophie's point about how to manage teams in these specific times as well. So I think for mental health, I think it's absolutely pertinent. And I think now more than ever, and even if you feel like you used to have everything together, I think that this has been a learning curve for everyone that everyone is still struggling a little bit and just trying to do the best that they possibly can. Would you concur, Mark, if Emily says that my 30 to 40% stab in the dark is too low? How widespread, how deep does it go? Yeah, I, I, I agree with Emily, actually. I think it is a lot higher than 30 40%, to be honest. I think um, everyone needs to understand that these are times that no one has ever lived through, worked through, and it is, you know, we are all learning as we go. So um, it is wider than our industry. So there is a lot of uncertainty and there is a lot of anxiety out there in... in, in the world and in our country at the moment. So I think um, it is going to be a lot higher than that. But there are different ways and techniques that we can make sure that we're checking in with people and making sure that we're helping anyone that, that needs to be um, talked to and, and, and sort of guided through this period because we are all going to get through this together. Well, to your point, let, and let's wrap this up, we uh, at some point, somewhere in the future, will come to the other side of COVID. As we come back to an office environment, however that transpires, what do we think the future of work looks like from home, in office. I'm aware of even some companies now looking at their real estate and going, do we actually need the floor space that we need, uh, given that we can see this work from home thing can work in some percentage or ratio. So to Emily first, do you see, Emily, the balance of how much we work from home, how much we go in the office will change post-COVID? Yes, Paul, I absolutely think it will change. I think, though, on the other side of this, people will want to be, again, part of that cultural experience of those face-to-face -face conversations. So I don't think we're going to see a extreme pivot one way. I definitely think that we have seen across the board that working from home and the flexible arrangements, the tech, everything's there for us to use it. So I think we may see an increase in people working from home and taking that time to work from home, but I don't think we're gonna do it at the expense of losing the cultural element of face-to-face -face conversations, being in an agency. To Pete's point, the hearing the energy of media agencies specifically, I don't think we'll see a massive pendulum shift, but we will see more people taking the opportunity to work from home. Will you take the opportunity to work from home or do you prefer being in the office, Emily? I am also an extrovert and get my energy from other people. I thrive on having the people around me. So yes, I think I will continue to work in the office, but again, when the opportunity arises, if I need it, I will take it. 
Sophie, you can't wait to get back to the office. What's your take on this um, work-from-home, in-the-office scenario post the crisis? Uh, yes, despite my introverted tendencies, I actually can't wait to get back to the office because I am really missing being with my team and, and seeing my team. Um, however, so I sort of see a, a hybrid model, a combination of, I think, I, I might work from home slightly more, um, but I certainly see a hybrid model for my whole team. And I'm going to, I don't like the whole working from home frame. I'm going to call it working from anywhere um, because I would like to think that when I'm allowed to go out to other places, that maybe when I have my Fridays, I can, I might be at the beach working or at the park or somewhere else. So for me, I can see a hybrid working from anywhere model. Well, with that model, I think everyone's going to meet you at the beach on a Friday, I'd say, Sophie. <laughs> Mark, how do you see this playing out? I, um, I too can't wait to get back to the office, but um, I agree with Sophie that it's, it's going to be a blend. I think the working from home, there'll be two, two streams. There'll be scheduled working from homes or working from anywhere, I should call it now, Sophie, um, and ad hoc days as well. So if, if, if the day will be more efficient and productive working from home, you should be able to take it. But you should also, if you want to work in the office, uh, you know, a nine days, nine day week in the office and one day at home. So I think there will be a, a mixture where it will be scheduled and ad hoc. Um, and, and just on the point on, on culture, I, I firmly believe that culture is designed. And I think what's happening now, um, as everyone's mentioned about the opening of borders, what this allows then is to have a, a more national culture and rather a single cultural pot. So rather than looking at a Sydney-based organisation and a Melbourne-based organisation, even if they're the same organisation but completely different cultures, what you'll now start seeing is there will be a Bohemia national uh, culture. There will be a wave-maker national culture which is you know, driven by technology or fuelled by technology and, and connected via, via video calls, which, is, which will be great to see because it will make sure that the brand is living through um, in all states and territories. Great points. Peter Vogel, I think I know the answer that you're going to give, but um, how uh, do you see this playing out perhaps for you and your people in terms of the work from home in the office ratios? I'll certainly be rushing back to work to, to see all the colleagues that I enjoy working with so much. But I think uh, it's, it's great because there will be a better balance and I think having balance in life is, is great. You know, I think some of the people have talked about uh, the initiative that, that some people have displayed by solving problems themselves, but you've got to balance that with on-the-job learning. So I, I think there is going to be this, this great balance. I think, as Mark said, the national culture is great, and even extending that beyond to regional and global. I think, you know, we, we need to keep the good parts of, of working from home. So, so I, I agree. I, I think, as Sophie said, I think it will be a, a blend. It will be a, a balance. But certainly, I think we will be keeping all, all the good things that it's brought, uh, whilst then really appreciating and, and fully getting involved uh, in, in the, the, the things that build the culture uh, certainly the things where we can come together as a team and, and enjoy experiences together. Well, look, we're going to wrap up with this final question. It's not a trick question. Uh, there is no right or wrong answer, but you've had no heads up. So here we go. And I'm going to start with Emily because we started with you from the get-go. Emily, in terms of for yourself and what you think your, your teams and the industry will do in terms of working from home, is it one day a week? Uh, is it two days a week? Uh, is it completely unstructured in terms of that allocation for you and the industry? What's your hunch, Emily? 
My hunch on how this will change from working from home, I think that you will start to see uh, probably a one day a week uh, scenario for certain uh, people within the team. But that said, if it works for them, I think that it's going to be, again, down to the individual, their families at home, if they're in a share house, if they live um, by themselves as well. There's all these key elements that require us to look at that. Also, your office chair, the technology, all of those elements. But I do see this being a four-day a week, uh, again, because everyone will be keen to get back in and make sure that they're surrounding themselves with the culture of the teams. Mark, what's your call? I think no-one will work any days from home at the moment they can, uh, the, the, the lockdowns are lifted. I think everyone will go in and appreciate, <laughs> to Peter's point, uh, being in the office. And then I think it will get up to about 50% of your time uh, can be approved to be working from home as well. And do you think people will want that uh, in our industry at that sort of level? Um, I, th I think it will be a case-by-case -case basis. I think there, there's definitely some departments that could potentially work more than 50% uh, of the time working from home. But um, if you're running a team and you are managing clients, then it's a balancing act that you'll need to, to work through. Sophie, how does 50% sit with you? I actually think you will, will probably see some people... Well, we'll see more people actually move outside of Sydney and potentially do their whole roles from home and just commute in occasionally. I think we'll actually see more of that. So 50% feels about right for me as an average. That being said, one of the bits of feedback I have started to hear from people is that they're concerned that they're going to struggle going back to work. Because? Just the adjustment, just getting back into the swing of things again is going to, is going to be another readjustment for everybody because we're all getting a bit used to this. Now, um, Peter Vogel, uh, your hunch, uh, you is 100% in the office, we know that, but what about the, the industry and the people? What's the ratio there? I think it's difficult to, to guess on a ratio. I think it depends on what job you perform. Is it a sort of quite a isolated technical one? like SEO versus, you know, strategy. It is the, the size of your team. Uh, it is the amount of, of client interaction that you have, uh, et cetera. So I think it will give flexibility in terms of a percent. We, we social creatures. Uh, we also an industry that is generally young and young people like uh, interaction. So I, I don't think it would get over 20%. I think it's more, more those, the people that either live far out or have children or, you know, have, have something they have to attend to at home. So I, I don't think more than 20%. Well, that's an enlightening conversation. Uh, I really enjoyed that. So uh, some really great perspectives. Uh, thank you all for joining. I'm sure we will loop around in two months, three months, six months, whenever it is, to see how we're all coping and whether Sophie's still got those graphs on her walls. Um, thanks for joining and stay safe. MI3 Audio Edition was presented by Paul McIntyre. That's moi in collaboration with Podcast One Australia. Producer Nick Slater, music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au or search MI3 Audio Edition on Apple Podcasts and hit the subscribe button.